0: Fellow sojourners and welcome back to another edition of appropriate in the Culture. As boycott month comes to a thankful close, we set our sights on religious institutions and boycott woke churches. I'm Pastor Shane and I'll be your Inquisitor today as we appropriate some culture. So throughout this month, we've been looking at various spheres of cultural influence and seeing how they are pushing a pride agenda. So we looked at corporate America, we looked at public education, we looked at government. Last week, we looked at media, and today we're looking at the church. The church is an influencer in the culture, but everything that can influence the culture can also be influenced by the culture. There's always going to be that inherent danger in any kind of cultural engagement. And there seems to be no lack of churches in the Western world abandoning Christian dogma for the new religion of pride. Rainbow flags adorn supposed houses of worship. Steps of churches are painted like the doorposts of Passover. They have their own pride hymns. I
1: bow down my head and in gladness I pray For I have been fearfully, wonderfully made Our bodies are objects of hate We live with the judgment of those who condemn They seek to suppress us and we rise again Our beauty increasingly great Although we are targets of violence and fear We're free and we're proud and we won't disappear Though some may reject us, we aren't afraid For we have been fearfully, wonderfully
0: made They have their own liturgy.
2: I invite you to rise in body or spirit and let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the ace quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So, beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen.
0: They have children's sermons.
3: So there's two things that I really like about this story and that I want to talk about. One is that there's this line near the end that some grown-ups get hung up on. This line, I wrote it down so I would remember what it is. God created humankind in God's image, male and female, God created them. And some grownups read that line and they think that God created only male and female. I'm like, well, but that doesn't make any sense because we know that there's lots of people who are beyond and between male and female. I'm trans, right? Like, we don't have to go very far to see this. But then if we look at the rest of the story, it helps us make sense of that line so if we go back to the beginning right to the very first thing when God creates day and night what's between day and night sunset yeah sunset and sunrise are between day and night so there's dusk and there's dawn and there's twilight I I feel pretty safe saying that I think God created sunset Do you think so? Yeah. And then if we keep going to, you know, when God makes the dry land and the water, do you know if there's anything in between dry land and water? Yeah, there's beaches, there's wetlands, there's swamps, there's so many things that aren't just dry land or water. Can you... Water. Water, yeah. Water is good. And then, even when we were listing off all the different animals, you kind of already came to this, where there's some animals that live in the water and on the land, right? Like an oxalotl and a gecko.
1: So mostly just stay in the water.
3: But they can go on land, too yeah do you know any birds this is a question for anyone any birds that also live in the water
1: pelican
3: Uh, pelicans like I said earlier yeah and there's so many seabirds that just they fly and they spend so much time in the water
1: like a kingfisher
3: yeah there's so much diversity in God's creation so many different kinds of things and even when the story tells us oh yeah tell us uh
2: um
3: a duck <laughs> Yeah, that's a great example. A duck. A duck lives on the water and the land.
1: A duck a, a duck is actually a bird.
3: Yeah, a duck is a bird who lives on the land and on the water. Yeah. So then if we come back to that that line that a lot of grown-ups get confused about, that male and female God created them line, it seems pretty clear, right? If God created day and night and sunset and sunrise and dusk, and God created land and water and wetlands and swamps and beaches, and God created land animals and water animals and amphibians and seabirds, God also created everyone between and beyond male and female. Right, this, pre- this seems... I feel pretty safe saying that.
0: Yes, children, when God says a woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear women's clothing, for the Lord your God detests anyone who does this, he was kidding. Haven't you seen a sunset? I don't think Dusk and Dawn obliterates the distinction between day and night, but even if we see gradation in creation, that doesn't eliminate binaries or basic categories did you know that clownfish are sequential hermaphrodites they all start as males and then become females as they mature so because that exists in nature that means that human males can also become females no it doesn't mean that because you are not in fact a clownfish though i understand your confusion because if you think that well then you are well a clown But you're certainly not a fish, you are a mammal, and you cannot not be a mammal. Just because there might be gradation in creation, that doesn't mean that there aren't immutable categories. And human beings are, as a matter of fact, sexually dimorphic. There are two distinct forms of human. Or you might say, male and female, he created them. But this nonsense isn't just for those whose brains are not fully developed. This message is also meant for grown human adults, apparently. All across
4: the globe, queer people, particularly trans people and gender minorities, face violence, state-sanctioned discrimination, and death. We would be remiss if we did not confess that much of that hatred is fueled by Christian hegemony, a dangerous mix of theology, power, and control. It's a theology marked by a desire to hem in the wild diversity of creation and humanity by fixing people into staid categories and scripts. In those categories, we can be much more easily controlled. That graffiti at First Baptist is not the manifestation of one angry person, it is a manifestation of a system of hate. It's a theology that presents a simple view of life, one without space for ambiguity marked by binaries, each question with a simple answer, each sin with an obvious punishment, each human life existing with a strict system of either ors from which no deviance is allowed, male or female, provider or nurturer, rich or poor, good or bad. In our very city, there are pastors who think this way, Some defend their thinking by referring to that great fable of creation in Genesis, saying that God created night and day, land and sea. God created creatures that live in the water and creatures that fly in the sky. God created men and women. Here's the thing about night and day. They each have their own beauty, night's blanket of stars and the day's bright sun. But have you not seen the golden hour? That time of day, just before sunset, when the sun casts a diffuse light, illuminating each face with a beauty that happens only at that time. That in-between time, not quite night and no longer fully day, but completely stunning. Land and sea serve their purpose too, but surely they are not all that exists. What of the vernal pool, that unique intermittent wetland that fills seasonally from rainfall or snowmelt? land sometimes, body of water other times, neither dry land nor sea, but somewhere in between. What of the glory of intersex people, or of all people who disrupt sex and gender's fences for something a little more free? Oh Lord, what variety you have created. The earth is filled with your creativity. God created this world not in binary, but in kaleidoscope. Dawn, dusk, golden hour, and every moment between, holy time. Marshes, jungles, grassy meadows, tide pools that come and go, and every speck of land and sea, holy ground. And yet we've done so much to desecrate the land and the sea, so much harm to our neighbors and ourselves. Among that graffiti at First Baptist in J.P., it said this, God does not love you. Pastor Ben at First Baptist said it best, God does not create anything that God does not love. So beloved, know this. God loves you. God delights in you just as you are. Your very body, just as it is, brings a smile to God's face. Trans or cis or intersex or non-binary or some constellation of gender that hasn't found words, done up in drag or a dad bod in cargo pants, full face of makeup and a fabulous weave or sweatpants on the couch, pan, bi, lesbian, gay, and every fluid sexuality in between, fat and beautiful or pokey elbows and knees, deeply wrinkled faces and creased hands, or dew, fresh, baby skin just now on this side of heaven. Sequins or flannel, or a little bit of both. Stilettos or tevas, or a little bit of both. God delights in you. But more than that, you bear the image of God. Each of us embodies God. Each of us in our bodies shows something about God that no one else can show. There's no one way to live a human life, just an ever-expanding, ever-refracting kaleidoscope. So imagine God's surprise when we humans try to fence in God's creativity. Imagine their surprise when we humans decide that we have the power and somehow the wisdom to decide who is good and who is bad. Imagine their surprise, the God of the golden hour when they hear, God created night and day alone. Imagine their grief and rage at the words and weapons hurled at queer people across the centuries by the church.
0: I watched that whole sermon. Not surprisingly, the gospel was nowhere to be found. No mention of Jesus or sin or salvation or repentance, but there was plenty of self-contradiction.
5: By inviting local drag queens to read to children, Drag Queen Story Hour creates an environment that nurtures empathy, celebrates differences, and ignites curiosity and creativity. In these increasingly dangerous times for transgender and queer individuals... With a surge in legislation even now targeting LGBTQIA rights, organizations like Drag Queen Story Hour have become vital beacons of support and inclusivity. Here in Massachusetts, Drag Queen Story Hours have stood firmly in the face of neo-Nazis and fascist groups. Despite their threats, they continue to share their joy, creativity, and passion for literacy and inclusivity.
0: Wait a minute. Are neo-Nazis made in the image of God? And God doesn't create anything that God does not love.
4: God does not create anything that God does not love.
0: So God loves the neo-Nazis and the fascists.
4: Imagine their surprise when we humans decide that we have the power and somehow the wisdom to decide who is good and who is bad.
5: Drag Queen story hours have stood firmly in the face of neo-Nazis and fascist groups.
4: Imagine their surprise when we humans decide that we have the power and somehow the wisdom to decide who is good and
5: who is bad? ...have stood firmly in the face of neo-Nazis and fascist groups.
4: Who is good and who is bad?
5: Drag Queen Story Hours have stood firmly in the face of neo-Nazis and fascist groups.
4: Who is good and who is bad?
0: huh, so it's actually possible to distinguish good and bad, and it's not unloving or hateful to suggest that some ideologies are bad. So you should be able to understand when I tell you that God loves you, but what you are promoting is evil and wrong. But let's hear another hymn.
2: We are setting
0: the rainbow
1: table We are planning a giant feast we are birthing a new creation for the lonely the lost and Leaves at that table will sit the weary knowing welcome Souls. there is magic at that table for the broken they are whole come and sit at the rainbow table full of colors. table of grace to our rainbow lights Come and learn how the rainbow table offers grace to grace to our rainbow lights
0: What grace are you talking about See, I need grace because I'm a wretched sinner deserving of hell. I don't know why the rainbow people would need grace. They're perfect and wonderful and fine just the way they are. That's what all their sermons are ever about. God's creation is diverse. You're diverse. He loves diversity. He loves you. He loves who you are and who you love and how you love them. You are beautiful and wonderful in every single way because saying anything else is just mean. So what do you need grace for? You don't need grace. You don't need a savior. You don't need Christ or his cross. The reason this is such a poison is because it's completely and totally antithetical to Christianity. Christianity does not affirm who you are or what you do. It does not say that you are fine just the way you are. No, you are a sinner deserving of hell. Who you are is awful, and what you do is awful. You need total transformation. Start completely over. In fact, you need to be born again. That's what Jesus tells us. There is no and cannot be any pride for a sinner saved by grace. How can there be? On what basis? You need to stop celebrating yourself and start celebrating Christ. You need to rid yourself of your identity and take on the identity of Christ. There is no gospel being preached in those churches. Pride is completely antithetical to Christianity. And yet, there is still something in it that is alluring for Christians, because isn't everyone loved by God? Don't we want to be inviting? Isn't diversity a good thing? Don't we want to be inclusive? And that's how this is always presented, as inclusion.
6: The scripture from the book of Revelation 3.8 says this, "'Behold, I set before thee an open door, That message is not literal. It doesn't mean that the front door is actually always unlocked. It means that this sanctuary, this church, every worship service, and every class is open to any human being who would like to come in. There are no barriers to keep anybody out because of who you are, who you love, the color of your skin, where you sleep, or how much money you have. We will pray with you, we will baptize you, we will marry you when you're old enough to get married, and we will take communion with you. Everyone is welcome here at Old South Church. Now, you may think, well, Miss Kate, don't all churches act like that? Kids, the sad answer is no. There are Christian churches who do not welcome everyone. They think that you have to be a certain way, act a certain way, feel a certain way, or be a certain kind of person to be welcome in their churches. Many people have grown up in a church just to be kicked out when they tell others that they're queer or trans or gay or lesbian. When they reveal their authentic selves, their home communities tell them that they are no longer welcome. It is sad, traumatic, and it is not a true reflection of what Jesus Christ taught, right? But here, at Old South Church in Boston, we don't believe that God's love is limited at all. In fact, we believe that God not only loves every single human being, but that God has created you just the way you are, in joy. We believe that if you identify as LGBTQ+, that you, who you are, is a gift and a blessing. At Old South Church, we believe that it is important to share God's love and sacraments and that by walking alongside the beautiful, diverse world of human beings, we learn more about who God is. We learn about God through knowing each one of you. And that's why we're gathered here today as one community of faith, celebrating and uplifting LGBTQIA folks as we celebrate pride. Pride in who you are and pride in the diversity of God's creative imagination.
0: That's alluring to Christians. We want people to belong. We want people to be welcoming to sinners because we're all sinners. There's truth there. Jesus met and ate with sinners, but that was to call them to repentance, not affirmation. You can be so open-minded that your brain falls out and so inclusive that you abandon all doctrine. Fundamentally, we are called to holiness, and holiness is separation, not inclusion. That's what holiness is. It is to be set apart, distinction, separation, exclusivity. That's all throughout the Bible. God, in judgment, is going to separate the righteous from the unrighteous, the wheat from the tares, the good fish from the bad fish, the sheep from the goats. It's everywhere. You can't seriously study Jesus and not reach the conclusion that Christianity is an exclusive religion. And adopting the values of the culture might make you feel more inclusive. It might make you feel loving and nice. But it's the furthest thing from holiness. Alrighty, that'll do it for today. If you like what we're doing here, like, subscribe, rate, review. If you're a YouTube subscriber, you might have missed last week's episode because YouTube doesn't know what fair use is when it comes to copyright. So if you want to check that out, you can join my author's Facebook page or listen to the podcast. No episode next week as I'm on vacation for the 4th of July, but I'll see you after that for more Appropriate in the Culture.